0: Life Audio.
1: Then you will know the truth, and the
2: truth will set you free.
3: Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. Got him. Got
2: him. Got him. Episode 60, episode 60, 6-0, we have done this this show 60 times, man, we hope that you are enjoying this, and it is an encouragement, and hope-filled, and maybe educational, and yeah, welcome back. We're back.
0: We're back, baby.
2: Nice and toasty in the studio. It's cold outside, so
0: Thanksgiving week.
2: Thanksgiving week. Well, it's Thanksgiving Day when you're watching this. Hopefully, this comes out Thursday. Okay, no, it doesn't. Man. It comes out Friday. Yeah. So so, I hope that's... so yesterday you ate a lot of turkey. You ate you a go. lot of cookies and cakes and pies and you rode roller coaster rides and you saw giraffes and monkeys. You know, you did kids, yeah. kids Thanksgiving stuff. stuff. Thanksgiving stuff. So. <laughs> So, (laughs) no, that was an excerpt from an old Dave Chappelle stand-up thing. Okay, okay. Uh, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about holidays today. We're going to talk about um, many of you maybe felt this way uh, this week, and then maybe still feeling this way if you're back home hanging out with family. And then we're going to go into the Christmas season as well. And so we just want to address some stuff, man. We want to talk about uh if you're someone who has walked in freedom you've struggled with addiction in your past or you're currently struggling with addiction we want to address you but we also want to address the ones around you and what they can expect what they could look at and things like that and so um yeah so that's the episode we're going to talk about holiday seasons things to look out for things to avoid things to dive into yeah Uh, so why don't you kick us off get us going
0: yeah, Um holidays used to be some of my least favorite times yep. in the midst of addiction. Now, obviously, there's two sides of that coin. I love family. I yeah. love being around family. I love spending time and catching up with my loved ones. But on the other side of that coin was addiction. Mm. And in my addiction, I hated every bit of going to family functions. Yeah, And when I would go, I desired to stay as as, as short as possible, For you know? Sure. Um, and part of that is because a lot of times whenever you go around family and you're catching up, well, when I'm living a life of debauchery and don't have much to talk about what I'm doing in life and yeah. how I'm growing and what's going on, and it's kind of like the the elephant in the room that everyone knows what's going on, yeah. you know, so it's like trying to teeter around those conversations. It's just difficult. Um, so, yeah, for me, it was always tough to mm. when the holidays came around, such as Thanksgiving or Christmas, and I knew the family was getting together at my grandmother's. Yeah. Or I knew the family was getting together at my house. Um there was always just this this uneasiness inside of me that just wanted to run, that wanted no part in it. And um throughout the years, I don't know how many I missed, but I'm sure there was some that I wasn't present at. And even the ones I was present, I wasn't present, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, But yeah, I think something to look out for, something to be mindful of for families is just that, like, you know, your son, you know, your husband, you know, your nephew, you know, these men, and I'm speaking to men just because we're in an all male facility, right? Better than anyone. So if you feel like something's off, and like I was explaining earlier, I'm a family man. I love spending time with my family. I love being around family. I love fellowshipping and just uh, conversating and all these things. But They're hesitant to do these things and be in these predicaments or situations um, and spend time with their loved ones without it feeling like a hurry. Yeah, your inkling is probably right that something is off, especially if you are already thinking that, man, he may be, you know, drinking too much. He may be smoking. He may be getting high. Um, He may be needing some help. We just don't know how to approach it. Yeah. Well, that's a sign to be aware of him avoiding family functions, him avoiding conversations, him avoiding those relationships were, that were once dear to him, that's probably a red flag number one.
2: Yeah. And and like, like you said, I mean, I think families, the world's just you, I think use discernment. You know, like you said, you know them best. And so if there's excuses that are said like, I've got to work tonight mm-hmm. or, you know, and they're just, it seems like from the moment they got there or even beforehand, it's, it's set up to where they're only there a short amount of time. Yep. You know if that makes you feel a certain way you know check that feeling out uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you're right but i would definitely say that feeling's there for a reason it's probably a red flag other things would be like nodding out you know n- nodding out uh, on the couch and again it's hard to discern because there could be a turkey coma happening you know it could be it could be i ate too much or i didn't sleep enough but eyes eyes your pupils being pinpoint um just just setting up, setting up things to leave early or if they've gone to the bathroom a long time for often, you know, those kind of things. And so I think what we've said before and we'll say again is you just make it as easy as possible for someone to walk into a life of recovery and as hard as possible for them to stay in a life of addiction. Amen. And I guess the question would be is, hey, this, your son, your dad, your brother, your sister, mom, aunt, uncle, whoever it may be, your loved one, haven't seen them in a while, now all of a sudden it's holidays, you just saw them at Thanksgiving and something seemed off, what do I do next? Well, I think next, and this will lead me to my first scripture, I think this is in Matthew chapter 18, this is verse 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if you will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, this is, and it says if he refuses, you go to the church, you bring it before the whole church, that kind of thing. Obviously, this is church discipline if someone sins against you, but I think the principle still plays in the aspect of if you feel something's wrong, address it. Be assertive. Not accusational, but assertive. Like, hey, man, I noticed... You're nodding out Oh yeah I was just tired Didn't sleep the night before Um, You know Ate too much There's going to be an excuse There's going to be a defense To keep what's in the dark To stay in the dark But the reason that He didn't like staying long The reason I didn't like Staying long The reason your family member Maybe doesn't like staying long Is because We don't like When you're in the darkness You don't like the light And so If you're exposed And there's a lot of people around You're probably going to try To get in and get out As quick as possible So that light doesn't Expose your darkness And so engage engage and judge the response right here's what man i'm a little worried about you i know that maybe you had some struggle in the past and just looked off privately do that with them sit them down you know take them to lunch call them uh, and then weigh the response it's not going to be a good response spoiler yeah spoiler it's not going to be thank you you noticed me i'm on drugs it won't be that right It's going to be an attempt to deflect, but if you just discern, you know, and maybe you're off, maybe you could be off, but just discern. If it's like, if it's admit nothing, deny everything, and they start making immediate counter accusations, well, that, that's, normally that's a red flag too, right? If, if, if I'm starting to blame others or did you not see someone else, they try to change the subject, that's a red flag. And then, you know, and just discern what that is, and if you still feel like that, that, that wasn't honest, then take someone else with you sit him down again, call on a two-way call. Hey, I've got Ryan here with me. And brother, man, we just love you. And we're just concerned, you know, we, we, we literally love you. And, and we want to address this again. And I know you told me this, I just, something didn't feel right about it. And so step one is be assertive. And, and if, if you've seen the forgotten pandemic, you know, one of the things that we say is silence is deadly, right? Um, if you're afraid to say something because it might be the wrong thing or whatever, and someone can go and die, well, they are dying by the groves. You know, I feel like we talk about this all the time. They are dying. Yeah. Um, silence is deadly. Speak up. Be vocal. Um, have resources in mind. If if you have any kind of relationship with a with a faith-based recovery place or some kind of interventionist or something like that, maybe do your homework beforehand. Call them and get some personal. Tell them what's going on. Have a little bit of. Um, strategy going into it, because on the off chance that God just breaks them in that moment and they repent and confess and they say, "I need help," and then be able to know what you're doing, what those next steps are.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I would say this too. There's never a good time to address no. a loved one about addiction. It's the always a bad time. Out. It's it's there's never there's never a time. So if you're waiting for a time, a moment, a season. That's just perfectly and feels right. And this might be the the best time to approach it. The time is always now. And the best way to do it, like you said, is, man, present in love an opportunity to get help. And exactly like you said, make it as hard as possible for them to continue an addiction and allow them to cause their family members to enable them. Because what needs to happen, the approach needs to be the family stand on a solidified front of, hey, your dark is being brought to light. We still love you despite we know this is not you, but we will no longer condone nor enable the behavior that is happening. So the second you are ready to get help, because, yes, that individual has to make – has to has to answer the call to respond and desire help yeah. more than you desire it for them. But what needs to happen is the family stand on a solidified front saying, Hey, we will no longer co-sign endorse or allow you to become codependent on us yeah. just to manipulate and lie and deceive and feed a habit. Yeah. And that's something that's extremely hard for families to do. I watched how hard it was for my own family to do, but it's so necessary to um, just initiate those those initial steps to getting help
2: yeah and, and i think <clears throat> this is great i think this is great advice i think most of the time families do have some sort of leverage that they can imply, like hey i'm not going to do this if you continue doing this yes. or if you're not honest about this there are times, though, that you know someone's self-sufficient, or they're just like, "I don't need you," and they're homeless, or they're they have a job and they're able to somewhat pay their bills, but their life's falling apart, and you see it, and they don't necessarily need you for any kind of sustenance. I, I think in all moments, especially those, the power of prayer is something that you lean on. You, you're not afraid of the conversations. You step into them. You engage in them, even though <laughs> it's going to be hard, and they're going to say hurtful things. Mm-hmm. They, they are. I did. And they know exactly where to stab. They know exactly where to twist that's going to get you upset. Because if you get upset, it discredits. If you show an emotion, if you are um, angry, it discredits your accusation. And it's just a tactic. It's a a self-defense mechanism. So knowing all of that, press in and have the conversation anyway. Bring someone else into it. Bring your whole family into it. And if that's not enough, continue to pray that God breaks them, that God breaks their heart, that God draws them to someone that they will listen to, that there is a moment that he um, just touches them and they repent and they're like, I need help. Pray for those things. Pray for those things. Please pray for those things because there's power in prayer, like power in prayer. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to say do those things. I any Just do that if nothing else. I mean, there's power in that. You should be doing that the whole way around, praying that God breaks them. And, and man, a lot of times that breaking doesn't look like you, what you and I think. Uh, I've heard countless stories of jail being God breaking them, or uh, mom's praying for a son for protection and just protect him tonight, and he's arrested, and she's angry about that, and then realized that was actually God protecting her son, right, getting him off the streets with all this nasty fentanyl and everything. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back uh, and continue on the subject. Uh, We really want to talk to you, though, if you're someone struggling, and we know there's all sorts of families that do have alcohol at these events, or... Maybe that's what you did your whole life, or you could never—you haven't been to a holiday in ten years without some kind of substance happening. We want to talk with you too. Um, bear with us; we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
3: Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to UnityWeekend.com. That's UnityWeekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, Social justice, our national monuments, and more—the Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org/impact.
2: We're back. We're back. Um, <clears throat> so, Ryan, what would you say to, let's say, someone's fresh out of rehab? Maybe someone's ten months out of rehab, twelve months out of rehab. But this is the first Thanksgiving uh, with family. High pressure, yeah. not knowing what to expect. Maybe their family does or doesn't drink. What's some, what's some good advice that you would give the guy that's gone through an addiction or yeah. the gal that's gone through an addiction?
0: I think identity is super important because yeah. I remember those first few holidays after finding Christ and finding freedom, and it's still hard. Yeah. Because you're so accustomed to having fear arise, having insecurities arrive, having the feelings that I used to feel prior to finding freedom come up every time I would put myself in these situations. And so your mind immediately goes to what are they thinking? What is my aunt thinking? What is my uncle thinking? Is my grandparents judging me? What does my parents think? Do they think I'm high? Now I feel like, okay, now I I can't move this way. I can't do this moment, this movement, because they may think I'm drinking. I know this may sound crazy, but these are like legitimate things that go through your head. Oh, Uh, yeah. So it's remembering who you are in Christ and who Mm. he says I am. It's vital to not only continuing um, in freedom, but just even, uh, going back into those places of intimacy and building back those relationships with your family. Cause for most of us, those relationships probably weren't the best. If this is your yeah. first time back at a holiday, back at a Thanksgiving, back at a Christmas and be understanding of your loved ones who are going to want to have conversations about how you're doing, about how things have been going. Um, sometimes, uh, not sometimes, a lot of times as men, we don't like being smothered. We don't like being suffocated and it can feel that way sometimes, like as if almost you're getting babied, like, Oh, it's going to be okay. You're going to, and that kind of causes us to push people away, but just be understanding if your loved ones are wanting to have certain conversations that, may get on your nerves, may frustrate you. Uh, Something I noticed and I've said it before is the more that I walked in righteousness, the more that I walked out my faith um, in the manner that God had called me to walk, the less I would get offended when someone questioned me, when someone would doubt me, when someone would say something um, that I didn't like, the less and less it would affect me because deep down in my spirit, in my soul, I knew how I was living yeah the times where I get really frustrated and really angry and I want to lash out and I want to say something combative is because it's true and I'm not living the right way so that's another thing to be mindful of man it's so I think back to like the conversations I used to have with my mom or my dad or you know certain loved ones that I would just make them feel like the bad guy like so manipulative yeah just such a condescending liar to try and push everything that I should own up to onto somebody else. And man, it's sickening. So even to families, I know that's got to be hard to deal with. Like I address certain things, but then he comes back at me with all this banter and all these things that are wrong and all these because, and mm-hmm. this is why. And I know that's got to be hard, but understand that's not coming from a place <clears throat> where this, where this man even believes it himself. Yeah, It's literally just to get you to go and chase, go down different rabbit trails and uh, to chase something that's irrelevant to the actual situation, which is him addressing these things within himself and, and having to turn from them.
2: Yeah, man, that that's so good. And, and, and I'll just add to that. I mean, the, the reason – a couple things I want to respond to. One, I mean, it legitimately you might be saying you haven't been around family, the anxiety, the stress of family tough. for years without some sort of substance to help numb that or to whatever, and and that's why, we and we talked about this recently, but that's why we do the outdoor activities. That's why we yeah. do things uh, at S2L during the program. We take men out of the house, out of the comfort zone, and go and do things like paintball, go and do things like swimming or canoeing or um, uh, to the gym, to all these different events, movies. And we always, you know, is anyone drunk or high? No. Did everyone have fun? Yes. Well, let that be a reminder. You don't have to be have drunk or high, or don't have to have a substance in your body to have fun and laugh. So, so know that it is possible. Uh, whatever part of life it is possible. If this is your whether it's a month or if it's ten months, this is your first Thanksgiving or, or holiday season without a substance. Know that it's possible. Number one. Number two. <laughs> What Ryan said about identity is absolutely true. No one, especially early in the game and maybe forever, we're not promised anything, and i got to start clicking. I'm sorry, producer Jorian's like, hey, you know that sound is going to ruin everything. Uh-huh. Sorry. Uh, the, the, you're the only one that needs to know your new creation in your heart. People might not believe it. People might not know, and, and, and here's the deal. They probably won't at first, and that can't phase you. That can't bother you. Like, it's kind of insulting, but they weren't with you for the last however long you were there. They haven't seen your walk with Christ. They don't know what's going on in your heart. They don't know that God took a heart of stone and gave you a beating heart of flesh and that he's wooed you, and that's okay. You know why? Because the chaos and the lack of trust, we we caused. Yeah. And so here's what I will promise you. Well, I can't promise you because other families, I don't know. Here's what I'm very confident will happen the the response of people will be bad um but they don't know what to do either they're probably not wanting to be bad they're probably not wanting you to think that they're thinking about it so they don't like know where to put their hands you know in the same way that you were saying the guy that struggles i don't want to look like this cuz they're going to think this yeah. i think it's the same thing for family especially loving families that are fighting for forgiveness that's a process by the way that you got to allow uh, your family to go through um uh, it, it just like you weren't healed overnight they they're not either And so they might, it's going to be awkward. And you just remember, as Chitty said, your identity. Remember who you are in Christ and just be normal. Allow them to be awkward. Allow them to to look at you. Allow them to put their purse on the other side of the thing without you being offended. Allow healing to happen in the family and you just be there. You know, that's more than you could say, as we talked about in the first half of this episode, that you're not trying to jet out of there after 20 minutes. And go, hey, good to see you guys. Love you. Or you're hiding in the bathroom or you're nodding out. Just be there. Be there and show them that you're a part of this family and it's OK that they don't trust you. It's OK that people might look at you in a certain way because you are in Christ. Is that here? Oh, wow. The police are coming.
0: Oh, it sounds like it's coming out of my earphones. Yeah,
2: that's why I was like, is that like, are you telling me it's time to go to a commercial break? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
3: Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to UnityWeekend.com. That's UnityWeekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact.
2: And we're back, and we're back. So we really did just take a commercial break. That was pretty smooth. That <laughs> threw me off completely. Yeah. And it's like the alarm really, the siren really did just shut off, by the way. So it might be here. Uh, we're we're living, the, this studio is on like a road. It's very lock, not a very traveled road, so you hear a siren. It's kind of interesting, but um, but yeah, I think I think allowing them to heal, allowing them any, they can't cause you to feel any way. Amen. Don't allow that. That I mean, just like you know, oh, you made me feel bad. No, you chose to feel bad. Yeah. Uh, give them grace, man. That's one of the biggest things I learned. You know, early on was. I gotta give the people that love me grace. And but but the only way I was able to do that, Chitty, is I was confident Mm -hmm. in who I was. Yeah. My identity was secure. Now, did I have rocky moments? Yeah. Did I did I waver in my faith at times and just I need God's word, I need brothers around me, I need to worship, and yeah. But I was confident in who I was, and because I was confident in who I was in Christ, I could show grace to those men.
0: Yeah. And that's what's crazy when I look back. like It used to offend me when someone would have doubt or question what has happened in yeah. my life or, or question if I was ever going to go back to the same lifestyle I lived. And it used to offend me, yeah. like highly offend me. And I used to be how could they ever think that? How could they ever feel that way? Well, fast forward five years and it's like, ryan like what do you mean how could they think that what do you mean how could they feel that way like look at how you lived. look at the pain you caused. look at the lies you told look at the destruction that was upon your life look at the darkness that you were dwelling in yeah and like you're saying we don't realize as as people who were coming from addiction had lived that life of the healing that still has to take place in the lives of those around us yeah and we we have this like expectation in, in our hearts, I believe, and in our minds that when I'm healed, everybody else should be healed. Now, if I, if I said that thought out loud, it sounds irrational. But the posture of our hearts within that is really how we feel. It's like once I'm healed, like, come on, stop doubting. Stop not trusting in me. I want you to trust me. I want our communication to get back to, to better or where it was. I want our relationship to heal. And it's like, that's just not the way it is. Our family, they take time to heal. And like I say, whenever you come through S2L, we have an expedited process of healing because we get submerged yeah. in Jesus Christ and strip everything we get away submerged in the word we get yeah. submerged in classes in church our families, a lot of times, are still going through their day-to-day lives, still going to work every day, still taking care of the kids and dealing with the, the bills, consequences of dealing Kaleos. with the consequences of everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, your healing may be more expedited than somebody or one of your loved ones who doesn't have the privilege of laying everything aside and going submer- and, and submerging themselves in, in Christ and fellowship for an X amount of time. You yeah. know. So like you said, giving them grace and knowing that, hey, everybody's healing is going to look different. Everybody's going to be on a different pace when it comes to that. But nonetheless, like, I don't want to say they're justified in how they feel, but there's a reason. If somebody did the things that I did to somebody else, I would feel the exact same way.
2: Yeah. Jorian, you got anything you want to add? Producer Jorian, you want to add anything uh, just about holidays and and identity and things like that?
1: Yeah, I would say having grace is definitely the best thing you can do um yeah i agree with everything you guys have said um with families i I would say with if you have uh members that are struggling with addiction um yeah show grace to them they're going through addiction i would say of course don't excuse um, their behavior but have grace for them Uh, make them feel like they're at home like they're they are family uh, and for those who are struggling with addiction, I would say, uh, echoing what they said, be be present, be there, um, be with your family, uh, feel that love, um, and yeah, enjoy the holiday, enjoy enjoy this season. It's a blessed season. Um, the The reason for the season is grace, the grace of God. Mm. So just remember that, um, and yeah, and just have a blessed time with family. Amen. Let me let me read this yeah. psalm real quick. Um, and then
2: I got I got some things to, to close us out with. I, I just want to add, but yeah, let's hit this.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna read this Psalm 100, and this is a call to come before the Lord in worship cool. because He is good. And this could be to a family mm-hmm. member struggling with loved, uh, struggling with a loved one who's going through addiction. This could be a guy who's struggling with addiction. This is could be a guy who's freshly out of rehab. Whatever the case may be, man, this is a call to come before the Lord in worship. This is Psalm 100, one through five. Bless his name Mm. for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures endures forever forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And this is regardless of what season you're in. When I read this, I always go back to being in the darkest season of my life. And what changed was my posture towards the Lord. Instead of complaining, instead of talking about everything that had (laughs) happened to me, instead of saying I have the worst life, instead of saying I'll never get over this addiction, Man, my heart changed and started worshiping and thanking and praising God. And within that, I realized I have everything I've ever needed. Yeah. You know, and so it doesn't matter what season you're in. It could be to an unbeliever. It could be to a believer. It could be to an addict. It could be to the loved one of an addict. Man, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into the presence of the Lord with thanks. And give thanks during the season of all that he's done in your life. It's so easy to get caught up in that negative mindset of this is wrong, that's wrong, life sucks, media sucks, this sucks, and just you know, it, it it affects how we think it affects how we act. It affects how we talk. It affects more than just what we think, you know, um, it affects every aspect of our life. But if you can change that posture to giving thanks and giving praise, I promise, man, there's so much more good that flows from that, that it'll change everything for you.
2: Yeah, man. That's so good yeah and I, I just want to close with this, so we've addressed the families of the loved ones struggling with addiction. We've addressed the people that are in a recovery process yeah. uh, and are nervous and and wouldn't say that they're recovered uh but the reality is 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 because of the popularity of the show <laughs> there's probably people watching this that are on one you know mm-hmm. they're on one right now, and it's the day after thanksgiving and Entering into the Christmas season, man, every the Black Friday, the Christmas lights go up, the Santa Claus things floats, which is none of that is Christmas and the meaning of the season, but but that's what triggers these emotions, and it's like, oh man, a big holiday season coming up. I want you to know that there's hope, yeah, maybe you just spent another Thanksgiving hiring a football bat or buzzed or in and out so you can go get your shot or in and out so you can go get your snort or smoke or whatever it is man you're watching this that means that there's a reason right if you're watching this it means that there's there's something in you that longs for more if you're watching this that means that god's sovereign decree the places and boundaries of time that he ordained has put this in front of you and i want you to know from experience there's hope man Mm. Uh, but don't wait, reach out and get help now. No, I'll do it after Christmas. I just want to be there for Christmas word. You weren't there for Thanksgiving. And if you were, you weren't reach out and get help now. And the reason I say that is because people are dying. They put off, Oh, I'm going into rehab tomorrow and they die and don't make it in. It happened. A person, it happens I know that it happens. There's hope, though. Let me tell you a story. I personally, actually, let me start with biblically. God tells us that he loves us and that those who are weary and heavy laden, that if you come to me, all who are heavy laden, weary, and struggling, tired, stressed, tired of living a life of, of just the rat race of being on one, of family lying to you, you to them, I mean, and the web and just this alone place. There's hope. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your soul. It's a promise of God. It's not promise that you haven't screwed everything up and the fam- your family might not ever allow you back to Christmas or Thanksgiving again. And you know what? That's okay, too, because let me tell you something. You can start your own tradition with your own family. Let me tell you a story. There were many years, many, many, many years that I was on one at holidays. Uh, just like we talked about, I was either high in the bathroom snorting something, or I was in for just a few minutes and then out. And my, and my mom—I mean, it was just like my family's, like extended family's there, and her own son mm-hmm. comes in and dips out. Yeah, all these plans and all this effort that goes into these holidays, and I can't wait to leave. Or I just don't show up. Yeah. Or I'm high. Or I'm whatever. And it's just like, or my mood swings? I mean, you get it. It, it. Maybe. Man, it's gone from that to being early on, just like people looking, you know, after rehab, just like the awkward. I don't know what to do. Well, just like we discussed. Oh yeah. There's hope because now, we've started not not because my family wouldn't allow it, but just because of the logistics. Now Thanksgiving's at my house. Now, now people travel to our house for Thanksgiving. Now when, when I'm a pastor, right, that might not be your story, but the family seen the righteousness in me, and now I'm praying before family meals, right, but the whole family gathered. That wasn't the case a short few years ago. And I tell you this not to boost me up. I tell you this because there's hope. I did nothing but be obedient to God and surrender, when I try to do it my way, I went to rehab after rehab after rehab and just wrecked things. So I'm not boasting in Adam. I'm, I'm boasting in what God can do to a broke, busted, disgusted uh addict. Man, he could sanctify you. He could save you. He can he can be a beacon of hope through you and it might not be your direct family. I don't want to fly a false flag. There is hope for restoration there, but it might be your own traditions. Man, maybe you're called to this year to have people that don't have family in. And you start your own tradition. But I'm telling you, there's hope after it. There's prayer after it. Like, you, can, you could be the one that is the godly person at your Thanksgiving event to where at one point they're hiding the purse. And here's what that is. That's life after addiction. Mm-hmm. And you better believe it.
3: Come on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life After Addiction. Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Studio. For more Christ Centered Addiction Recovery resources, please visit S2L.net. That's S, the number two, L.net. For more information about S2L's licensed and accredited residential program, please visit s2lrecovery.org. That's S, the number 2, L,
2: We want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Life After Addiction podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of their faith-centered podcasts and their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and much more. Thank you so much for listening today, and God bless. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the
3: Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.